My name is Alice. I worked for the Umbrella Corporation at a secret high-tech facility called The Hive. A giant underground laboratory developing experimental viral weaponry. But there was an incident. The virus escaped and everybody died. Trouble was, they didn't stay dead. Welcome to Now Playing's retrospective series of Resident Evil. You're all going to die down here. Hosted by Player One, Justin. That's right. Star power, bitches. Player Two, Stuart. Congratulations. <laughs> Officially a badass. And Player Three, Arnie. They're stars. They're the best. Join us at NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for a Resident Evil movie review, leading up to Resident Evil, the final chapter. You are going to be in for the fight of your lives. These podcasts contain detailed plot spoilers, mild language, and zombie dogs. This is humanity's last stand. The beginning of the end. Listener discretion is advised. Waiting for a written invitation? Today we're discussing Resident Evil Retribution. Alright, before I even fucking get into this, what the hell does that mean in relation to this movie, Retribution? How does that make sense? Um, (laughs) Jill is getting back at Mia having a more successful career. You think you're going to get all the flipping moments. I'm going to get some flipping moments. Starring Mia Jovovich, Michelle Rodriguez, Kevin Durant, Sienna Guillory, Sean Roberts, Oded Fair is back. <laughs> that makes one of us excited. <laughs> Lee Bingbing, Boris Koji, and Johan Erb, directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. This is the now playing ghost who's going to get some fucking retribution for this film, Arnie. Stuart in L.A.? And this is Justin. The 10-year anniversary, right? That's why they rushed this thing out. It was probably the quickest turnaround between sequels. They did two years between the first and the second, and then it's been three, three, two. But it is the 10-year anniversary. I mean, uh, I, I think that must have been... Something. That and the fact that Paul W.S. Anderson had tried to make a Oscar bait in the form of Three Musketeers or the 3D Musketeers. Nobody was having it. Oh, boy. I watched that movie finally. I'd picked it up for five bucks at Best Buy and never watched it. I decided, okay, let me see what Anderson and Mia did in between these two. And I went in with the most open of minds. It's an interesting take on the Musketeer story. (laughs) Interesting is always code for I don't know how to describe what's wrong with it. (laughs) No, Mia is far more central than Milady was in the original prose. Not surprising. (laughs) They've made it steampunk with like flying battleships. I see. So he's as good a reader of that book as he was Alice in Wonderland. Okay, yeah. He thumbed through the thing, (laughs) got a couple ideas, knew it involved some swords and muskets, and that was that. He asked a high schooler for a book report. Yeah. 
what was really strange is I felt like he had a cast full of people better than the movie. Like they must have had an open checkbook because this had Christoph Waltz, mm. Orlando Bloom, mm, wow. Mads Mikkelsen, okay. Ray Stevenson. Mm. I mean, there were names in here from good movies. People that would have been in that movie regardless, no matter who made it, those cats would have gotten calls and probably appeared in it. And they probably, they were probably hoping it was Paul Thomas Anderson. Maybe they just didn't know about the WS. (laughs) (laughs) They wouldn't have been the first ones. It's confusing. No, it's a not recommend. It's completely dull and way too flippin' long at almost two hours. It did not need to be that. I'll tell you, I watched it, and then I immediately listed it on our eBay. It will not be one I return to, but it's still better than Retribution. That's what I'll say. (laughs) Not to show your hand too early, but I, I guess my question is, as we get to this anniversary, and as we approach what is going to be the final chapter, they had to be thinking about an endgame already, right? Like, wasn't the series on the wane? When I look at this meager, poorly photoshopped poster on the box, I just feel like everything about it feels reduced. Like, we're no longer expanding the series. We're going back to what worked before and pulling out old things. That it's trying to retain an audience that it's losing. It's kind of weird if you look at the numbers for Afterlife. It had the biggest opening of any Resident Evil film, but the lowest attendance of any Resident Evil film. Mm. (laughs) 3D ticket prices, ticket inflation, but it was overall the highest grossing of all the Resident Evil films, though. So was interest on the wane? Was it actually just overly successful overseas? I can't really get a beat on that, but I do think getting it out for the 10th anniversary was also on building on the excitement that the last one had. But I'll tell you guys, I had this moment of complete temporal disturbance when I put in this Blu-ray because I guess I just didn't do the math. I didn't realize that it was going to be five calendar years between today's movie Retribution and next week's movie, The Final Chapter. We'd seen the two-year gap, the three-year gap. For some reason, I thought this came out much later. I pop this in and I start seeing trailers for movies I hadn't thought about in quite a while. Like Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance was a new release at this time. Mm. The Amazing Spider-Man Part 1 was being hyped at this time. Think about how long ago those movies seemed to us. (laughs) We've already seen Spider-Man rebooted. (laughs) And now we're just getting to another Resident Evil movie. I was like, damn, this was so long ago. Well, this entire franchise is about to be 15 years old. That is just mind-boggling. Yeah, you know what it is? It feels like the 3D did give it new life. Afterlife probably would not be deemed as successful if they couldn't have charged that higher ticket rate. It has a built-in audience. The people that like them, like them, and everyone else knows the score. You know by a part four or part five whether it's for you or not. It hardly seems to matter beyond its initial audience what people think of it. And I mean, I noticed that. Again, Afterlife got very poor reviews 
Although I think that it's probably one of the best Resident Evil movies because some people just had caught on to the shtick. They just didn't want any Resident Evil from Anderson. And so, yeah, I guess you make a sequel to something that was financially profitable, but I don't think that this movie is going to expand that audience. And it it doesn't seem designed to do that way. Are the games still successful at this point? Yeah, they are still very successful. There's a lot of spinoffs, a lot of remakes. They re-released the originals remastered for PlayStation 4. I mean, it is still one of the best-selling video game series. Oh, okay. See, I would have figured at this point, video game lifespan is also short. I mean, there are so many horror video games on the market at this point. And even the zombie movie at this point, World War Z was sort of the, the pinnacle, the most expensive zombie movie ever made. I just feel like... Everything is saturated. Walking Dead is on TV. And how does a franchise like this stand out and keep going? I don't know. It it seems like it's time for history to reclaim it. Well, as I said in the last show, the games got away from zombies. I mean, they'd been evolving. We started getting the fast-moving zombies in the game. Then we got the tentacle heads. And we got... In Resident Evil 4, they weren't even zombies. They were Spanish military guys infected with a mind control virus that were shooting at you. And you're killing humans, not zombies now. And you're doing ninja moves. It's not the same Haunted House movie you introduced me to back in 96. Yeah, it couldn't be. Anything like that would have to evolve, and it has lasted. So, bully on them for giving it a whirl. I can't say... I could get very excited about anything that I was looking at other than just a curiosity about all these characters that I thought were dead are somehow going to be worked back into a plot written by Paul W.S. Anderson. Hey, Michelle Rodriguez was having a career resurgence. I mentioned this, I think, during the first show. There was a period where she was everywhere. Girl fight, Fast and Furious, Resident Evil. Then she kind of fell out of movies and showed up on Lost, and then she got fired from Lost and disappeared and had substance abuse allegations, domestic abuse allegations. Personal problems. Yeah, she clawed her way back. She was killed in Fast and Furious. She returned to that franchise. She was killed in Resident Evil. She's returning here, too. People like her. I like her. She was one of the real reasons I became excited to go see the Resident Evil films. But as I described last time, I wasn't that excited. I waited till it was real cheap on 3D home video. Oh, come on. You're, you got to admit you're excited for your boyfriend. What's his name? Oded Fair? Don't you dis- Don't you dis Oded Fair? <laughs> oh, we will. <laughs> I barely noticed he was here. I think I noticed him more in the credits than in the actual film itself. <laughs> but yeah, these people are coming back. It means something, I suppose, to people that remember the first movie. I'm They're hazy memories at this point. I can barely remember what Michelle Rodriguez... I couldn't remember her name. I just kept, in my notes, calling her Michelle Rodriguez. But Well, in that yeah. first movie, there were no names. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what you're telling me is there's hope for a return to Blue Crush, right? Like, she's willing to do anything at this point. If she can, she'll be in the Avatar sequels as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, isn't she in them? I thought she was. Uh, did she die? I can't. There's another thing I Does don't Does that remember. seem to stop her from being in these movies? <laughs> it's kind of becoming her thing. Yeah, really. She can come back as a Navi. What the hell? It worked for Jake. But 
that is what got me excited for this. And I did mention the 3D. I did also watch this one in 3D because it was filmed in 3D. They were upping the technology with it. And if you shoot something in 3D, I want to see a movie how a director envisioned it. If it was shot in 2D, I don't give a damn about the 3D. But if it was shot in 3D, I want to see what they were planning. So I did break out the glasses again for this one. Okay, I'm curious to know if it has an impact. I know that you can't save this plot. Arnie, tell them what happens in Retribution if you missed, if you can. (laughs) I'm interested to know myself. I watched yeah. this movie. Mm-hmm. Did anything happen in the previous movie? Is it all erased? The movie picks up right where the last one ended. As we watch a fleet of airplanes attack Arcadia, which was the sanctuary boat with about a thousand survivors, if you've repressed the last movie. And that attack was led by Sienna Guillory's mind-controlled character, Jill Valentine. Well, the Arcadia is destroyed and all those survivors who were rescued are killed. So, bye bye Kmart. <laughs> Yay! Was it just that that was all a dream? None of that was a dream. That all happened, and it was... The boat was destroyed, and Alice, played for the fifth time by Mia Jovovich, was captured by Umbrella. And then turned into a housewife. Well, we'll talk about the housewife. I'm skipping that in the plot summary. Let me just talk about what happened. By by all means, please, get to it. She, She wakes up in an Umbrella Corporation prison... That's housed in a Russian underwater submarine pen. She's interrogated, but is quickly rescued by martial artist Ada Wong, played by Lee Bingbing. I just love her name. If not her performance. (laughs) Well, we discussed her in her 2014 film, Transformers Age of Extinction, remember? Mm, That's the Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah. I don't remember anything other than he was in it. And Lee Bingbing. Okay. But she's Ada Wong. And Ada reveals she's working for Albert Wesker, the unkillable sunglass-wearing Agent Smith, who's again played by Sean Roberts. But now Wesker wants to join forces. The Umbrella Corporation's artificial intelligence, known as the Red Queen, has started to use the mutated creatures as a weapon to wipe out all of humanity. And Wesker hopes that by teaming up with Alice, they can stop the Red Queen. So Ada and Alice try to escape, looking to meet up with a rescue squad led by Luther West, again played by Boris Koji, and on his team is Leon S. Kennedy, played by Johan Erb, and Barry Burton, played by the erstwhile blob, Kevin Durant. There's lots of running, lots of fighting, it's revealed the bunker is full of clones of previous dead characters like Shade, played by Colin Salmon, Rain Ocampo, played several times by Michelle Rodriguez, and Carlos Oliveira, played by Oded Fair. All of them are controlled by Jill Valentine, who is in turn controlled by the Red Queen. In the fighting, Alice meets up with little deaf girl Becky. Now, follow me on this. In various scenarios being tested by Umbrella, a clone of Alice was imprinted as the girl's mother. Becky, not realizing there's clones all over the place, thinks Alice is her mom. And even though Alice doesn't know the girl, she immediately promises to protect the girl and says, I'm your mom now. Barry sacrifices himself, so Ada, Alice, Becky, along with Leon and Luther, make it to the surface, and the underwater base explodes. But on the ice, they're attacked by Jill Valentine and the last clone of Rain, who injects herself with a virus to be a superior warrior. Rain kills Luther and knocks Leon unconscious, 
but Alice rips the mind-controlled spider from Jill's chest and, realizing rain is unstoppable, shoots out the ice below her where she's sucked into the freezing water by a horde of zombies. So Ada, Alice, Leon, and little Becky go to the White House where they reunite with Wesker, and the White House is under siege by all types of zombies and monsters as credits roll. It says everything to me that we begin the movie by rolling everything back. It's backwards, and I do feel like that is the perspective of this entire movie. Looking back, retrospective, what have we done, pulling from the best, doing it all again. That's where we're going. We're uh, They're rewinding it. I almost feel like they're erasing. Uh, the, it was, I guess, quite a cliffhanger if you could figure out this was Jill Valentine, but they don't really want to end up in a war movie or a G.I. Joe movie. They don't? I think they do, though. This opening credits is the high point of the film for me. I mean, we start with, like, a born identity, like, floating Mia Jovovich in the water, rising to the surface and then seeing this battle this gloriously rendered cgi battle in slow motion backwards this is gorgeous and it's depressing i mean we watched her fight for all of these survivors last time and they're all gonna die (laughs) or do they what happened here you're telling me that she gets kidnapped that she gets caught that this did happen Yeah. And everyone's dead. Okay. I thought it was a dream sequence. No, the reason you know it's not a dream sequence is because A, she's captured and a prisoner, but B, Luther's going to come and be one of her rescuers. And she met Luther in the last film. We last saw him in a sewer pipe screaming because he couldn't get to the boat, but somehow he survived. So all of this did happen, but the only survivors from the last movie, sorry, Claire, sorry, Kmart, sorry, Chris, they're all dead. Okay, interesting. It's very Alien 3. You like to talk about ways that Anderson's ripping off the Alien series. It's kind of like Ripley and her cat and the little girl got to the escape ship and woke up on a prison planet dead. Yeah, except I never cared about those characters at all, so no emotion (laughs) from that. Really, I just couldn't even figure out what was going on. It would be almost too forgiving to call this a reboot of the franchise but that's basically what they're doing they're basically saying we're rebooting this but remember this jill valentine from the past and one other character from one other movie like but like you said Stuart, if you don't care about the characters then there's really no need to reboot at all it's not a reboot it's it is a continuation of umbrella versus alice wesker sure is still here everything is still moving forward But yes, they are going to look back, and honestly, this movie is a return to the small scope of the original. This entire movie, from that plot summary, takes place in an underground umbrella bunker, just like that first one. In the last ones, we've been seeing global devastation, and here, we're going to be back to a single underground base, and Alice trying to survive and escape with a group of others, and bringing back a lot of the characters from that first one as well. One thing that did kind of irk me at the beginning of this movie was the backstory narration we get from Alice is probably about seven minutes long and it goes over the entire series in footnote form and it almost made me upset that we watched the other ones because we could have just started here and had as much information as new viewers starting here. 
Well, seven minutes is actually three <laughs> minutes, but yes, it is intended to catch up. If you happen to have avoided the first four Resident Evil movies, and how could you? I mean, there's gotten a lot of recommends so far, <laughs> but if you happen to have avoided them and this is your first, we're going to catch you up in a monologue with some flashbacks, even if you've seen them. I mean, if you're like Stuart, you've impressed that Michelle Rodriguez was even in them. So let's show a few scenes of her from part one. Yeah, I don't think that it really clarifies anything, though. I did watch this one with a roommate in close proximity, and they just looked up at one point and went, man, I wish I could get paid for writing this bullshit. I mean, it sounds like gibberish. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, the Red Queen went homicidal, and then the T-Virus mutated people and it bounded with me on a cellular level, and I defeated Wesker. I mean, yeah, okay, got it. Clear as mud. But yeah, getting back to the original and the structure, she opens her eyes and it's kind of a mystery of how she got there. And instead of waking up naked in a shower, she's waking up in suburbia and Carlos is her husband. He's a suit and tie guy. And, you know, they have a hearing impaired child named Newt. I mean, uh, Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. In the commentaries, first of all, if there's ever a commentary that has Mia Jovovich, just don't listen. You're not going to learn a damn thing other than Mia's probably fun to party with. She's really a nice girl, but she derails every conversation about the movie unless it's about her stunts. In the other commentary that was technical, Paul Anderson and his producer discussed how, like, they wanted a big mystery. How is this happening? What happened to reality? Why is she married? Come on, this is obviously some umbrella trick, and I'm just sitting back waiting for the reveal. No part of me thinks this is real. Well, how could you after seeing the first part of these movies and also the lead up in this movie that told us everything? There's just, as a viewer, you can't be buying any of this is real. But I will say this for this. There's very few things from this movie that I'm going to say that I really enjoyed or maybe even saying really enjoyed is too much for, for this portion of the film but i always like to see especially in these apocalyptic zombie movies i like to see the beginning we never really see that we always kind of see the day after or 28 days later or whatever you don't really always see the initial fear and the initial confusion of what's going on and so i'm kind of enjoying it from that aspect with characters that we know can I give you a strong recommend to go see, God help me, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, because this scene is almost blatantly stolen from how that film begins, from the husband coming home, to the zombie attack, to the car crashes outside in broad daylight. I mean, I was really having flashbacks to that really fun movie. Oh, great. So the, the compliment I can give it is to another movie. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's always going to be the case. <laughs> right? Again, that's <laughs> as it should be. But I guess my feeling is I'm feeling jerked around. Like, I don't feel like this is a bad way to begin if we actually begin here. But she's going to wake up from this and be an umbrella cell. So, you know, we've had two cliffhanger moments that have been completely undercut. And this isn't even her. I thought this might be a dream sequence. This might be a simulation. But we see this Alice get in a car with Rain. Michelle Rodriguez is here as like some suburbanite. They get in a car accident. It looks like Becky's hurt. They run back to the house. And Alice is attacked by one of the tentacle mouth zombies, falls off a staircase, and then is in the cell. What happened? Are they putting her through tests? 
Are they implanting memories? And no, what it is is this wasn't Alice. This was we're back to the clones. And so the real Alice has been put back in her little tissue paper gown in a cell. And it was fake Alice in that scene, which is going to be revealed much later. And it's just kind of a what the fuck reveal. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it has very little stakes involved with it. And I think maybe that's why later on we'll talk about Alice imprinting onto this deaf clone child, because outside of that, there's no reason for this scene or setup. Yeah, I think they wanted to give her acting. I think they wanted to give a dramatic storyline. That is not a bad impulse at this point. We want to see characters have a relationship that has any significance and meaning. And the fact that it's going to be a mother-child thing, I don't know, I'm guessing... Did Mia and Paul have a child together? Is this taken from their home life? Yes, actually. I'm not surprised. If they met in one, started dating in three, married in four, they had a little girl on set here, and that's the exact guess I had, too, before I knew that, Stuart. I'm like, there's only one reason for this, and it's because parents suddenly decide, hey, little girls should be in everything because they're in our life, so let's throw this completely unearned parenthood subplot into this movie. Because all of a sudden, Mia understands motherhood, and she needs to bestow that upon her fans. But we're going to find that more later. First, we do get... Sienna Guillory's Jill Valentine torturing Alice with, like, a Guantanamo-like sonic attack. <laughs> yeah, this is how I approach putting in a DVD of Resident Evil movies at this point. I'm just, like, falling on the ground, clawing at my ears, going, no! You recommended the last one. How could you feel so burned? Because I told you, I never want to see another one. I wish I could not see the movie coming next week, and I haven't even seen it yet. But I just don't really enjoy any of them. I don't. They're monotonous. You do one of them, you're good for life here. But I do try to evaluate a better one from a worse one here. And yeah, I can already tell that they're bored. It feels to me like they're just toying with uh, her because they don't know what else to do. And so we have a lot of extraneous running where the doors suddenly magically open. Someone behind the scenes is hijacked to the computer, but only for two minutes because they always reboot within two minutes. And that gives her a two minute lead to be suiting up and flipping through various scenarios, including the opening to Afterlife. She winds up in downtown Tokyo and gets caught up in that very zombie attack that I guess kicked it all off. Yeah, they got that actress back too for the bitey scene. This is the point where I realize I'm going to have to completely check out and ask no questions of this movie. <laughs> Or else I'm going to have a headache by the time it's over. Because first of all, okay, great. She's getting broken out. I'll go with that. They, somebody has infiltrated the most militarized underground base in the world to let her out. Hack the computer. And all of a sudden, a panel in the wall opens up. And here's an outfit for you to wear. What? Okay, fine. Whatever. There's an outfit for you there. So the White House is hacking the Russians for a change. <laughs> and on top of that, we have... A voice, for some reason, telling us exactly how many minutes before reboot over the loudspeakers. Two minutes to reboot. One minute, 45 seconds to reboot. Okay, we get it. Like, it was seriously a countdown for two minutes. Ultimately, we're told that Umbrella Corp likes to create cityscape test scenarios to help them 
problem-solve outbreaks long after the actual outbreaks have happened. I mean, this would only be helpful if there were still metropolis areas that were not infected yet, and you could stop it somehow. However, the entire world is covered in sand. Everyone is dead, so testing this seems beside the point. If you're trying to test things like Super Alice and whatnot, seeing how they react in unexpected zombie scenarios makes sense. Now, Is that what they're testing? I thought they were trying to test how to contain an outbreak. I Listen, I am just going to show my hand now. This movie is plotless. There's some really good action that goes on here, but never before, I know you guys said this about the last one, but never before have I felt so much like I'm watching somebody play the video game. Like, if I went to YouTube and watched a walkthrough of Resident Evil 6, that's how I'd feel with this, only this has better graphics. I mean, literally, I can't give you any plot. They go through areas that Umbrella has because... They look cool and they're differentiated and there's zombies everywhere that I guess Umbrella's just keeping in closets and when they want a whore, they open a door or are they cloning the zombies? I don't know. There's endless clones of every character for absolutely no reason. There's no character here. The entire movie is Alice is in a bunker. Alice must escape. There's no character drama. There's no stakes. If you didn't watch the previous movies and have a presumed empathy for Alice, you got nothing. I don't think they've ever strongly made any reason why we should care about Alice other than she is the hottest person on screen and we follow her long enough that you have some sense of of knowing her, but she's never had a full backstory. I think they give her the most backstory here. I'm actually going to argue they give her more character than we've ever seen before, human drama with the child. But she's also going to find out once she battles her way through the Tokyo set to a control room where all the umbrella operators have been shot dead, that there is a insurgents happening that Wesker of all people has left Umbrella Corporation I guess he's he's done selling umbrellas what's it he's going to open a sunglass hut what is <laughs> what is his plan he's Max Hedrum's brother at this point he's appearing yeah. on a glitchy screen and he's looking very very much like a rendered computer head at this point and he's even getting fuzzy you're right I hadn't thought Max Hedrum but I see it now I'll tell you, though, they fixed something here. We have laughed, and in the last show, I have bitched. What is Wesker and Umbrella's plan? Now they have cleaned it up because there's nobody to sell shit to. Umbrella is now run completely by the Red Queen using the scarabs that are on people's chest to control them or cloning and programming them. And Albert Wesker realizes... We, all of humanity, needs to come together in order to not have genocide occur. We need to band together to fight this. And in order to do that, we need Alice, who is the strongest survivor of everyone alive. So he sends in Ada Wong, who is a character from several of the video games. She's always played a morally ambiguous character. We have her here, and she's kicking ass. She gets a good little fight against Alice. and Wearing her Riot Girl outfit, too. She's got the red dress and combat boots that Alice had in the first movie, for some reason, wearing it. 
She wears a red dress in the game, and Anderson suspects that Ada is actually the game developers trying to put Alice in the game without using the name and making her Asian. And so now we have video game Alice with movie Alice. (laughs) That's so funny to me, that concept that, you know, the video game people don't really know what the movie people are doing. The movie people don't know what the video game people are doing. The movie people don't know what the movie people are doing at this point. It's all just kind of, they showed up on set one day with a premise and somebody forgot to bring the script, but they shot anyway. <laughs> At the risk of insulting Michael J. Fox, this is a whole lot of Back to the Future too, right? Let's run through the things we've done before. Let's self-reference to death here. Um, we're going to get the Giants again, only there'll be two of them. And it'll be in New York City and... You know, we'll go back to that suburbia we saw at the beginning and we'll see characters that we thought were dead. Red Queen, this is really not working for me. You're all going to die down here again. Red Queen was something that had gone renegade against Umbrella Corp. Now it's running Umbrella Corp? Does it want zombies to get out? Before, its whole mission was to stop the zombies getting out. I guess it really doesn't matter. It's become bored. Yes. And so have I. Yeah, it's just happy to have people here to play with, apparently. Yeah. The way I take it is, any logic it had where what it did in that first movie may be right. Justin, I think you called it out. She's sadistic. She toyed with that lady in the elevator. We do see that scene here at the beginning in the flashbacks. She has now decided to go Skynet and humans should be killed and then the entire world can be controlled by her clones and her zombies. Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense. I can see why she would want to do that. I mean, what the hell? Okay. But what's the control once there are no humans? Yeah, no, please, let's just stop. That's so insufficient as a plot that it should not be discussed. Wait, it worked for Terminator. Why not here? I think he was going for Hal anyway. He's a Kubrick fan, and and the code, it looked like the red eye from Hal. I think that he was aiming for higher. That's the sad part of all of it. What I want to know is, what are the references? We've always enjoyed the movie, or at least pointed out when the movie is taking from other genre touchstones, be it Alien, Escape from New York. I think the third movie was Mad Max. Last time it was... The Matrix, I don't even get a strong sense that they know what they want to be other than Back to the Future 2. Maybe Hunger Games. No, they know, and it's not Hunger Games. It actually, I'm like, and I thought it was because it has recently popped into mainstream culture, but it turns out Anderson was going for this. This is Westworld. They go through Tokyo World and New York World and fight robots that have turned against humanity. Anderson pulled out the old movie that we recorded for donations so oh, long ago. Oh, Yul Brynner. Okay, yeah. the Yul Brynner thing. All right. Wow. Yeah. Okay, well, then he was digging deep into the crate. Okay, because I don't <laughs> feel like too many people were going back and looking at that early Michael Crichton movie. Yeah, it's on the commentary recorded in 2012 that he wanted to recreate <laughs> Westworld and... Give it this flavor and the robots trying to kill the humans, the various worlds they go through, traveling from one land to the next. This is what he was doing. What it ends up coming across is uh, being trapped in It's a Small World After All. It's it, it definitely has that theme park 
sheen to all of it. I guess that's part of the charm is that we can just lead these setups without having to explain why she doesn't have to hop into a plane or all the terrible writing it's taken them to get from one cool moment to another. We can just accept that there are these domes and that if they run through all of the domes, they'll get to an elevator and go up and they'll be in Kamchatka, Russia, which I was, this was the one moment that I was like, wow, I've actually been here. I've actually been, it is a real Russian nuclear submarine base. I was one of the first Americans that had ever gotten to meet the people of that place. It was a very strange scenario. A lot of great stories, a lot of interesting moments so it was fun. That part was energizing to me to know that Kamchatka had gone umbrella and that this was where the movie was going to be set. Although only tangentially. We only really get it in the climax and in the scenes where their rescuers, the boys, are coming down an elevator. For the most part, they're wherever the set is in these domes. Yeah, and I will give them that conceit. I mean, we've already decided that there's no plot really to dissect here. So as a conveyance for moving from one set piece to another, I'll give them a little bit of credit here. You know, this is, after all, based on a video game, and this is going to end up being the most video game-ish out of all of this franchise. I'm okay going along with it. You know, like you said, Stuart, it gives us a quick way to go from downtown New York into Tokyo into Russia without feeling hokey or time lapsey or anything like that. Without having to work too hard. No brain cells were expended trying to get these characters from A to B. Sure. I wish we could have seen them like walk through a doorway or a hallway to get from one to the other. It does just feel like we're cutting from one scene and, oh, look, we're in a new area now. <laughs> yeah, there should have been like a turnstile or something. That should have been how they tortured her with the sonic sounds. Just play It's a Small World endlessly. Maybe a little bonus. <laughs> on a canoe or something to get them from point A to point B. But the point is, if you're not enjoying them as set pieces, then I don't know what there is here for you for much of it. I would say that at this point, I have become incredibly bored with what this series has to offer. The endless flipping and slow-mo, the guys with the axes, We've seen it all before. We haven't seen machine gun wielding zombies yet. Yes, Soviet soldiers as zombies. Yeah, that's new. You would consider that novelty at this point. I guess they were running their own tanks and all of that. The guys get to deal with Las Plagas undead. Yeah, this is from Resident Evil 4, which makes a lot more sense as that takes place in Spain. They have the Las Plagas virus that turns people into mindless control you know they're being controlled but they're not zombies and so they brought that element in here but they're still i think treated more like zombies here i kind of got a, a rob zombie kind of feel from their almost ss like uniforms and their mindless shooting and didn't he do like nazi werewolves as that promo for grindhouse yeah that was his thing but i mean he was riffing on other things like ilsa i mean i i mean the werewolf part was new but uh, it's hard for me to credit rob zombie as an original voice either i think much like paul ws anderson although maybe a technically better filmmaker i do feel like they both uh, borrow more than they invent but 
I will give it this. I'm going to disagree. If this movie has one thing going for it, and it has, I think, one thing going for it, I think the action here looks good. I like it when the two executioners come out, and you're like, oh shit, there's two of them. The flipping, the kicking, the ducking under the axes. I mean, that's what this movie has, is its action looks better than it has in five films. Really? Yeah. You think this is the best looking of the movies? Yes, I'm. It, yet it's the least impacting because I don't give a shit because they're just trying to get out and they're never getting out. I really thought the escape from this was going to be Act 1 of a three-act story. No, it's Acts 1, 2, and 3 that they're trying to escape. And so I do get really bored as it is non-stop action. It seems like your complaint is that they didn't do enough with the plot. Well, they never have. They've never had interesting plots that have gotten them from A to Z. What may be boring us, five movies in, there's just not a lot of novelty to this action. We've seen it all before. Yeah, but it, the action has been stepped up here. I feel like it's probably the most competent action we've seen to date. Some of these scenes are being pulled off in a way that way back 10 years ago, you could tell were practical stunts. Here, I'm, I'm enjoying, you know... Alice escaping a white hallway fighting a horde of people with a bike chain and a single gun. That was something we haven't quite seen before. Oh, yeah. I love that scene where she's actually having to count the bullets and breaking necks where she can. And then finally, she just has to flee. I think these fights are good. It's not that I'm bored because I've seen this before. I truthfully, I have no stakes in this game is the problem. But no, if any of these fights were in any of the previous movies, it would elevate those movies. You don't have any stakes when they have returning characters that you have praised? I wish to God they did something with them. Just because you bring back actors to be like, I don't know who my previous character was, and to kill them again and again and again, I don't understand the point. I really, my memory was wrong. My memory was that like Alice is able to save them and build a team of greatest hits from the previous four films so that when we went into the final battle, we'd have all her allies. But instead... Shade is here. We didn't even really know his name. He was the leader who got minced really quickly in part one. Okay, it wasn't until this watching I even knew he was a returning character. When I watched this movie before, I didn't recognize him. He was killed too quickly in the last one, and he's not an actor I really pay attention to. Oded Fair doesn't do a whole lot. Michelle Rodriguez is killed a couple of times. But Oded Fair just has to walk on, and it's awesome. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> They're testing your theory here. You said that all he had to do was walk on. I think that's all he does. <laughs> and it's awesome to see him back, but he does nothing. He does nothing. Why is he married to Alice? I know that they hinted at a romance and they cut an entire romance out of the third movie. Are we supposed to think that's her wish fulfillment? But he is not on set long enough to make any impact. Neither is Shades. Michelle Rodriguez makes the most impact. And I do like what they do with her here where she's both a uh, uber soldier who doesn't give a shit about anyone and is going to kill Alice. But then there's also a clone of her who's like a politician who campaigned against weaponry. <laughs> she's not a politician. She's like an uber driver. She's a taxi driver. Yeah, she's just a, she's a social justice warrior. Yeah. And 
taking a dig at the NRA. Oh, I thought like there that was a different one. I thought I guess it was the t- <laughs> taxi driver who was down there, but she said she campaigned against something. So I took politician, but Michelle Rodriguez gives the best performance in this film because she actually acts like a couple different characters. I believe she's never held a gun before when she's that taxi driver. Well, Arnie, they did that with Oded too. He played her husband and then he was also, you know, one of Jill Valentine's right-hand Nazi men. But he doesn't get any lines as the Nazi man. He does so little, whereas they focus on Michelle Rodriguez because she's going to be the final boss battle. Right, exactly. And, uh, yeah, they're working up Jill as well, that she's pursuing with them. And I don't know what they're getting out of that. I don't feel like she's any better in this movie than she was in the second film. But she's blonder. She's better because she doesn't have to do much except you mentioned ilsa that's kind of the vibe i got is she's like the she-wolf of the ss here all she does is shout orders and she's perfectly fine to shout orders and i do love that she keeps that bodysuit like unzipped for no apparent reason oh yeah but that's the thing is like this mind controlling device is sticking out of her cleavage i'm like hmm i wonder how long it's gonna take her to rip it off the whole movie yeah yeah especially since she did that to Claire at the beginning of the last one. She knows that's all she needs to do. Yeah, it's painful how long it's going to take to handle that problem, but I think that we're complaining more about it this time has less to do with the writing not being as good or the acting not being good as good and more with maybe just, for my case anyway, general fatigue and the fact that they just can't pump this full of adrenaline anymore. They're trying to pump it with something else. And emotionalism. You mentioned Westworld, and I did watch this new HBO show. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's a little long, but I do feel like it explored the relationships between artificial life and humans. And can you have sympathy for something that was made to be killed? I think that that's what we're supposed to get out of this daughter relationship, is that this clone really believes that Mia's Alice is her mom because she was programmed to think that way. And, you know, you could just treat it like a robot. You could say it doesn't really have feelings or it, it doesn't matter what happens to it. But I think that what we're supposed to believe here is that Alice is compassionate and is willing to give this clone a chance at being real. Yet she blows up a hundred thousand other clones of Becky. So... Does she? <laughs> but yes. those haven't been imprinted yet. Those all those clones. When, what are you talking about? All those clones on the line are blank slates. Did she blow that up, or did that was that just the bomb that was going off finally went off? Yeah, the bomb blew up. She didn't save all those little clone girls. She only saved this one clone. Girl. <laughs> okay, well, she didn't save a million clones hanging from a wire. Is not the same thing as saying she killed all of the other ones. I'm saying that my view of these clones is like the old Jay Leno Pringles ad. Kill all you want, they'll make more. (laughs) Yeah, but this one talks and acts like nude. And I mean, again, if you didn't get aliens out of this, she's later going to be secreted by some giant creature and has to be saved. And That was a weird needless ripoff. Yeah, it was really protracted here, but they're working that. I think it gives Mia something to work from, from her real life. She can pull from being a mom, and it gives Alice a dimension. I want to say five films in, we know nothing about her before all of this started. She never seems to have a past. And so that this is going to tap into something, it's better than nothing. There are some moments between the two of them that are bordering or approaching 
heartwarming. Yeah. Forget that she's a clone. And it could be argued that really, if you were blanked out of your memory and somebody injected new memories in you, would you know the difference between reality and implanted memory? So to, to the clone girl, it's all the same. And that should be enough that, that this girl is scared and thinks this is her mom. And I'm fine with that. Because without this subplot, there is absolutely nothing to grab onto yeah, as I we agree. skip through these levels. And unfortunately, this subplot does nothing for me. And Stuart, you're saying you have franchise fatigue here. I don't. I came into this movie, especially after the last one, really adrenalized. My entire problem is this is a protracted 90 minutes of what should have been 30 minutes of storytelling. All of this could have been done in a single act. We don't need this many fights. How is that not true of every single one of these films? The others had escalation and progression of plot you know there's a ticking clock there is a bomb that's going to go off they get to go from room to rooms yeah they said it way too fucking long they should have said it for a half hour but they all it's always two hours the first movie was two hours they, these are levels just like any other levels i don't feel the differentiation here i don't feel any change in plot it's constantly escape now we have to escape and take care of a deaf girl but it's still just an escape film and i'm just not getting into it and yes i don't have kids maybe that impacts my ability to relate to generic on-screen kids but i get nothing out of this I don't know how you could say that the kid is getting in the way of the action. It's the only thing that's novel or new about this. There's nothing different about the formula. But it feels so forced. I wish there was a reason for her being there beyond what I truly believe is Anderson and Jovovich had a daughter, so let's throw one in the movie. There, This doesn't feel organic. It doesn't feel like the Alice I've come to know. <laughs> we don't know her. You don't know a goddamn thing about her. She's always been walking around trying to remember anything about herself. There is nothing to pull from. I mean, when we first meet her, she's waking up in the shambles of a fake marriage. So why can't we, here in the fifth installment, be okay with her with a fake child? I would be if there was, again, some reason for it. What is this girl's impact on the plot? She is not even a MacGuffin to be chased. She's merely baggage. She is our tether to understand that we can care about non-biological organisms that are sentient. You never know what she'll do in the next movie. I presume the character will continue on. She's the contrast to the Red Queen. You think she's coming back? No part of me thought that, but she might. At any rate, I can't say that she's any less enjoyable than all of these like nameless Russian guys that are blasting around Moscow while all of this is happening. There is one guy, I just want to say right now, incredible, incredible facsimile of a video game. He is such a bad actor, and they seem to be doing so much CGI work around him that I actually believe he is not real. I'm going to go out on a limb and say right now, there is no Johan Herb that doesn't <laughs> exist. That was all like a Jar Jar CGI creation. <laughs> <laughs> now he is playing leon s kennedy he was the star of several of the games and that resident evil degeneration film we talked about last time and the next animated film 
damnation. He's kind of become the star of the Resident Evil universe. So he's a big character there. And he looks just like this, right? And acts just like it. I mean, he's nailing a video game character better than anyone I've ever seen. It's amazing how much he looks like dead, hollow CGI. (laughs) Yet he's the only person to ever really care about a friend. He's worried about what's her name that they sent in to rescue Alice. Exactly. What's her name indeed? Ada. <laughs> Ada, there you go. Yeah, at some point near the end, they have a weird moment where he touches her thigh and she doesn't seem to enjoy it. Are they in a relationship? Is he working for Umbrella? Is he working at Sunglass Hut for Wesker? What's going on? He's working for the U.S. government fighting against Umbrella and she's kind of a morally ambiguous double agent, but slightly on good so long as it also helps her own profit. And they do have a romantic undercurrent in the games and the animated movies. Okay, yeah. All of this seems like lip service being paid to fans of video games, but doesn't seem to have any play in the story. What we eventually see is that they get back to the elevator and that one of the nameless characters, Barry, I think his name is, sacrifices himself so that Luther and this guy Leon can ride up the elevator and live. We're to want these guys to make it and all the other ones. Yeah, blink and you miss their death scene. Now what happened here? The power was out and they couldn't get the lift to work, but they knew the bomb was going off. Was it just the water pressure that was flooding in there that was going to raise that elevator back up? I had a no looking back mentality in this. There were a lot of things I didn't understand that I could have rewound and tried to, but I just like, nope, one of these other guys, one of my co-hosts will do that work for me. I will just come in and say, I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I think the elevator went up on its own, but it was, as always, the nick of time. They were just escaping the bomb that they set that flooded the whole thing and killed all the clones we don't care about. And it happened to make it almost all the way up. And Alice found a vent, so she's slightly above them. And I don't care. Just get me out of here into something new. And I guess we're going into an ice fight. And according to Anderson, we've never seen zombies in the snow. You mentioned the word zombies. And how far have we drifted from that? At this point, particularly with the score, it feels very much more symphonic than techno this time. I really feel like we're in a Bond movie. Like there are Russian nuclear subs popping out of the ice and people flipping and kicking and x-ray versions of them getting kung fu death blows to the heart and where are the zombies we do get them in the last seconds they grab michelle rodriguez but i have forgotten that this is even a zombie series yeah i'll agree and michelle rodriguez comes up i really thought she would be like joining alice's side but instead she injects herself with las plagas and becomes just an unkillable super soldier ninja fighter who can punch Luther in the chest, stop his heart and kill him, and then punch Alice in the chest, stop her heart, and she's like, yeah, I'm not going to stop for that, and gets back up and keeps fighting. <laughs> yeah, she just decides not to die. Is Luther dead? Yeah, he's dead. Oh, really? And he didn't pop up later? Oh. Nope. Yeah, I forgot to be sad about that. Like, he did die, and I was like, <laughs> oh, but, oh, I guess, whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, speaking about video game movies, here... They go back and this special effect of watching the heart punch comes directly out of the more recent Mortal Kombat games. I don't know if you guys have played that, but like your finishing blow now goes to this x-ray of 
breaking bones on the inside of your opponent and shattering pieces of things into organs. And this comes directly from that. I haven't played it, but I bet Paul Anderson has because he did direct that first film. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. He's thinking reboot. I don't know what he's thinking. But again, I just was kind of vaguely sad about the fact that, well, anything that I had affection for in the series seems to have drifted away. It's become a mishmash of a whole lot of stuff that I don't have a lot of attachment to. I don't want a martial arts movie on ice. I don't want Mortal Kombat. That's one series I just... Not a good fit for me. This hook here was always that they had some of the eeriness, some of the vibe of a horror movie going on for it. And now it has become Gerard Butler bullshit. I'll give it the compliments I can. These fights look great in 3D. I like seeing Alice fighting with those ice picks against Jill with her pointy bow staff weapon. And I think the fight here is well choreographed and fun. But at this point, I'm so checked out of this movie because it took so long to get here that I don't give a shit. That's where I'm at, too. It was said earlier, you know, how long is it going to take for Alice to just take that spider off of Jill's chest? That's what this entire fight scene is leading up to. And it just couldn't happen soon enough for me. Yeah, yeah right. It, Alice is, is beaten and beaten and beaten. I mean, that's going to be the only move she has, right? I mean, it's the obvious move. It is the move. And then what, Jill? Did Jill come back and do anything cool? I, I can't remember. She, she wakes up and she remembers her old self. But I don't think it really matters. That What saves her from rain is that somebody shoots out the ice underneath her and she's pulled down by a bunch of zombies that are in the water. It's Alice who shoots the... Of course. They're, they're not going to give that to a supporting character. Are you kidding? Yeah, you're <laughs> right. How, how silly of me to think Mia would, would be that generous. I did like the shot where Rain is coming back out of the water and then the zombies crawl up and pull her down and the underwater shots of all the zombies just pulling her under. She couldn't be killed, but she can be trapped underwater forever with a whole bunch of zombies. Again, visually great, awesome 3D. Please just let's get this over with. I'm glad that everybody in Russia is dead. Let's go to the White House? Okay. <laughs> I guess in a zombie apocalypse, anybody can just walk in. And Wesker's sitting behind the Oval Office desk like he's General Zod. They're going to build a wall. And they have. All the zombies are kept out. It's the last stand. I thought that we've had this a couple times. But this really is the last people, maybe? Wesker says it is. Okay. Well, that counts for a lot. And they're surrounded by what looks like the final battle from Lord of the Rings, right? Return of the King. You got the flying beasts. You got the big orcs. Yeah, what are the flying creatures? That seemed new and unwelcome. Yeah, they're from the video game also. Yeah, but he's given her the virus. Are they going to play this game a couple more times? <laughs> you got the virus. You don't have the virus. I took it away. I'll bring it back. She's super powered down. Right. A plot device that I completely forgot about. And apparently she's going to need the psychic abilities that she never really used too much. I mean, I know she burnt a flock of birds at one point. But beyond that, like it hasn't really been with her or the thing that has saved her ass throughout the majority of the series. So I don't know how important this T-virus is to her or her character. I know how important it is to me. 
you need Neo if you're going to defeat the machines in the Matrix. And I feel like because there's so many, yeah, her telekinesis, her ability to control fire, her ability to keep people apart. If nothing else, I think next week is going to be a visual spectacle of her using all these superpowers. And it's not going to be scary, but it might be awesome. The only thing I'm hoping for next week is finality. I hope they end it and do not leave a cliffhanger to continue this series. At least continue the series in its current form under the current administration that has been putting these out. They're calling it the final chapter. This movie we're reviewing today did horrible at the box office. After the highest grossing one they'd ever done. And this one fell short. But we know how this is going to go. Justin Stewart... Give your final thoughts on Resident Evil Retribution, Justin. (laughs) Throughout this series, we've kind of tried to give compliments where they're due. And even throughout the show, I've tried to point out a few things that I I did like about this movie. And, you know, from a a sitting down and rewatching it standpoint, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But there were a few things in here, special effects wise. Fight-wise, I do feel like they raised the bar. There were some really cool fight scenes that, you know, if nothing else, you could watch that clip on YouTube and be satisfied. Scratch that itch for a Resident Evil scene, I guess. Unlike Arnie, I did take a little bit away from the little girl and Alice's relationship. That did tug on my heartstrings a little bit. And maybe, yes, it is because... I have a daughter around that age and, you know, maybe I was so bored that I decided I'd let myself imprint on what was going on on screen just to kind of keep myself in it. I don't know if that's something everybody can do or will find anything in, but out of all of these movies, this one was the biggest, the shiniest, and the most boring. Just the most soulless and heartless. So, you know, I've been mildly recommending some of these other ones. This one... I'm going to go ahead and give it a mild not recommend. I'm not going to trash it completely because there are a few things to grasp onto. And I feel like if you've put in the time to get through five of these, we've got one more to go. I wouldn't hop off the boat just yet. I want to see this through to an end. Stuart. Yeah, it's either me or this franchise, but somebody needs to retire. Like this is, it's exhausting at this point that, to sit through this. I had to break it up into to two sittings. I, I, it's only a 90 minute movie and I could not do it in one sitting. It was just too hard to pay attention to this movie. I just, I'm not seeing a whole lot of innovation or fresh ideas. I do wonder if I saw it in 3D, if I might be more in the action. But everything just looked really cheap this time. Like, just not in a good way. I Not that it's ever a good way, but I felt like they made the video game look work for them last time. I, I will say this. I do not think this is the worst of the franchise. I do think that when Anderson is directing, you're always going to get a better movie than the ones that aren't in this franchise, but I do feel like this is the worst of the three that he's made, and yeah, I a lot of wasted time. Uh, I can't really think of any moments, any levels, anything that mattered. It just really is an incredibly forgettable movie that is stalling until we can get the real final chapter. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. I came in so excited by the last film's relative success that I thought with these old characters coming back 
and with the energy Anderson brought to the last one, that we'd really get something special. And it feels to me like Anderson is just out of ideas. And he has great ideas for action. If he wasn't, I dare not use the word accomplished, but so experienced a director of film, I think he'd be great second unit doing action on somebody else's film and somebody else's story. But right now, as it is, yeah, this is a strong not recommend. And I think that goes for the Resident Evil film that came out the very next month. Yes, another one of those animated things came out. Resident Evil Damnation. And, <laughs> and I'm not damned for once. I'm so glad you watched it. And I only had to see... There was like a trailer for it on Retribution. I, I watched like... Oh, what could it be about? It looked like it was set in Nazi Germany or something like that. Or some Eastern European village or something. It was a lot of cobblestone. That's all I could tell you. Yeah, there were Russians in it and... It does follow the Leon character. It's, does he give a better performance as an animated character than this character they're calling Johan Erb? <laughs> <laughs> it's about the same performance. And they're in this fictional Russian break-off country that's in the middle of a revolution and the zombie plague has broken out. What I do like about the Resident Evil video game universe more than the movie universe is it never became apocalyptic. There are still governments. There are still people alive and living, but they're living in a world where zombie outbreaks occur. I find that to be more fascinating than this post-apocalyptic wasteland where there's no humans left. It at least explains why there's evil corporations. <laughs> oh, you mean stakes to raise. Yeah, exactly. And so in that way, it's okay. But my God, I'll give damnation this they really upped their graphical game from degeneration damnation looks really good it looks like a video game i want to play but it really pointed out to me how bad the stories are in the resident evil games if you aren't playing the games and you look if you made that original game into a movie all we'd sit here and go is well that's a real big romero ripoff with maybe a little hitchcock thrown in every plot twist is hackneyed and trite what makes it fun is you're in the middle of it with your controller and these things are coming after you. Now imagine just having to watch game th play through. Now this is nice, like Xbox One level graphics. It looks pretty, but the story is so rote that I don't understand why you'd want to watch it and not play it. It's it's also a pretty strong not recommend. I was as bored with Damnation as I was with Retribution, which made for a really shitty double feature. Oof, I believe you. Arnie, I think you might have just stumbled onto the core audience for this entire franchise, which is little brothers who have been forced to watch their older siblings play video games their <laughs> entire life. Yeah, it's just... I want a little more character development and story. I've recommended parts one, two, and four. So I'm not like, again, saying I need very deep plot twists and turns. And If only Oded Fair would appear in these animated films. Maybe do a voiceover work. It would be instantaneously awesome. Ah, uh, no, his voice doesn't have the charisma he carries on screen. I liked the scenes in this movie where he was her husband. I thought they were charming. It's that chin. <laughs> 
But yes, we have only one more Resident Evil film to go. One more quarter to put in the slot. And it's promised to be the final (laughs) chapter. I understand, Justin, you said you want finality. I'm taking that as you just are also tired of reviewing these films and you don't want to do anymore. (laughs) But it's called the final chapter. I do believe it's going to put a nail in a coffin, if for no other reason than the fact that the last one didn't make as much money and it did take five years to get to this. It doesn't appear to be anybody's priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen this trailer a lot. They take me down to Raccoon City. I, they didn't change the lyrics to Guns N' Roses, but they're, they're, they <laughs> seem to be heading back that way. I, I imagine it will be the nostalgia trip that this movie was. But at the very least, even if it's as badly written, and I can't imagine why it wouldn't be, I will finally get to see it on a large screen with the 3D. I will be seeing what Anderson does best and doing a big spectacle on a big screen. So that's at least something to hope for in a project that offers me little else. I hope it's tremendous because one of Mia Jovovich's stunt doubles was severely injured. Uh, It's listed as, quote, cerebral trauma, a crushed face, a severed artery in her neck, a paralyzed arm, several broken ribs, a shattered scalpula, a broken clavicle, torn fingers with a thumb that needed to be amputated, five nerves torn out of her spinal cord, and a medically induced coma for two weeks. This movie better be good to justify that woman's injuries. Yikes. Yeah, I'm not sure there any movie could, but uh, yikes. Yeah, it, did, it didn't do anything for Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. You've taken it down a peg, Arnie. Thank you. I was already feeling I didn't want to do this. <laughs> now I got to know that somebody, like, life is ruined because of it. And not just you. Wait, maybe you should put it in perspective how little your life isn't ruined because you have to watch it. Well, I haven't lived it yet. We'll see. <laughs> Well, the end is certainly nigh, and like Stuart said, you know, this will be my first time seeing it in a theater, so I don't know if we're part of the problem, because we'll be contributing to that opening weekend box office take, but I guess that's only three of us. It can't make that big of a difference. No, we're not going to change the, the, the fate of this movie. It's a January release. They have very low expectations. Maybe not, but I did the math. And if we do all the new release movies we're planning to do this year at three people per ticket, do you know we're going to contribute more than $1,000 to the U.S. box office this year just for the show? So if our listeners want to help us to do that, we do have a crowdfunding going on at our Podbean site where you can get access to exclusive movie reviews and all of our vaulted donations podcasts are available as part of our 10th anniversary celebration we've heard your cries you want the shows again well we are opening the vault as a celebration of 10 years of now playing giving you a chance to get those shows that you may have missed because you weren't a listener or you weren't in a place to donate at that time and all the money goes to help keep this show growing with things like a new host we are looking for someone to join us at the table and review movies with us if you're interested head to venganzamedia.com and click the help wanted tab under the banner and you can find out more about that or just call me and like i'll tell you like you can see the movie (laughs) resident evil final chapter for me and i'll uh i'll just i'll take your word on it Stuart's looking for an avatar on this one. (laughs) Yes, the job may entail paying for movies like Resident (laughs) Evil... 
the final chapter. Oh, I'll buy you the ticket. I'll even get you the bucket of popcorn. <laughs> you come back, you tell me what she beat up on, and then I'll come and I'll do the review. You can be Stuart's clone. You know, that's how I got him to review Clone Wars the first time, is I offered him a ticket and some popcorn, and he was like, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to pass it along. I'm feeling like this is the one to uh, outsource. So, Justin Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next week, game over. dreams there would be this many of us left alive so what's next i say live up to the promise this is arcadia broadcasting on the emergency frequency there is no infection repeat there is no infection we offer safety and security food and shelter if you are out there we will help you there is hope Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing's Resident Evil Retrospective Series. When I get out of here, I think I'm going to get laid. Yeah. <laughs> Might want to clean up a little bit first. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. I'm missing you already. Would you like to continue? Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next week to hear another Resident Evil movie review. One way or another, our world is coming to an end. The question is... Will we end with it? And visit the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives for reviews of other films, including Blade, Hellboy, The Shining, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and more. I've been a bad, bad girl. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at NowPlayingPodcast.com and come back each week for another new movie review. For so long, I thought you were the future. I was wrong. I am the future. Also at NowPlayingPodcast.com forward slash book, you can order Now Playing's film review collection, Underrated Movies We Recommend. This book has 125 reviews about films you probably haven't seen, but you should. Good thing we like a challenge. Want to take part in the discussion? Join the Now Playing hosts at our forums, where you and the other listeners can give your thoughts on this movie review. The links to our forums is at nowplayingpodcast.com. I told you I'd be bringing a few friends. You should have brought more. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I always knew you'd be drawn to your friends. Insert coins to keep playing. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. I didn't think any of you would make it this far. Not without infection. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Everyone is grateful for you helping us out. We really are grateful. You can also support our show and get dozens of bonus movie reviews. But I can offer you something you want very much. What is that? For Now Playing's 10th anniversary, we have opened the vaults. And at our Podbean page, you can donate and get archived movie reviews, including the Night of the Living Dead series, Alien, Return of the Living Dead, Jaws, The Exorcist, 
Jurassic Park, and more. We're reopening the hive. Links to all these reviews can be found in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives section. Humanity will cease to exist unless you return to the hive. You can also join our Podbean crowdfunding campaign to help our show grow. Backers of $10 or more will receive exclusive bonus podcast reviews. We're going to need more ammo. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. I'm going to kill you. Perhaps. But first you have work to do. Now Playing is produced by Arnie Carvalho. I can't remember much before all this started. Sometimes I feel like this has been my whole life. Now Playing's Resident Evil series is edited by David, Heath, and Arnie. I don't want to be one of those things walking around without a soul. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. This is what I do. The Resident Evil films and all movie audio and music are the property of its respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Hey boys, bad idea. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts, and may not reflect the opinion of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I have no reason to believe a word you say. Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2017, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I want her quarantined, close observation, and a full series of blood tests. Let's see if she's infected. Take her to the Raccoon City facility. Then assemble the team. I want to know what went on down there. Just do it. Stars. Played by the erstwhile blob. I wrote his character name down twice. <laughs> <laughs> I have it if you need it. It's uh, Kevin Durant. Stars.